It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by the ACLU Director of Border Strategies, Jonathan Blazer. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Good morning. You know, this is something that we're excited to talk about. We've probably seen it a lot in the news, the phrase Title 42. If you don't know exactly what that means, that is my first question. Jonathan, what is Title 42 and what is its current status? So Title 42 refers to a section of the United States Code dealing with public health. One part of this act um, is a very old law uh, called the Public Health Service Act, dates back to the 1800s originally. And it does provide the government with authority to take extraordinary acts uh, to protect the public health. Originally, it was intended to provide the government the ability to order the quarantining of individuals um, while they were sick so that they didn't transmit uh, disease uh, the law says nothing about expelling people from the United States to other countries, but that's exactly what the federal government has been doing under its application of this law since the COVID pandemic began. And just to give you a little bit background, um, the Trump administration had designs on using this law far before the COVID pandemic. Stephen Miller, kind of the evil architect of many of the Trump administration's mm -hmm most ruthless border policies have been investigating for at least a couple of years, dating back to 2018, ways to use extraordinary executive authorities to circumvent Congress's laws on immigration and to shut down the border and to try to end the asylum system. And he tried a couple of times before the COVID pandemic to apply this very old public health law uh, to declare an emergency and was rebuffed by lawyers several times who they had to explain to him and to the president that closing the borders based on public health concerns was not justified and would be struck down by the courts. But the pandemic sort of provided the perfect opportunity for him to try again. And he succeeded even once the COVID pandemic um, began, uh, career officials within the Center for Disease Control tried to push back um, but the reporting shows that um, they were strong-armed into declaring a public health emergency related to the COVID pandemic. And in the words of uh, one of the former health officials involved in the process, he said that they forced us, it was either do it or get fired. And really since March of 2020, when this order was first put into effect, the border has been closed, completely locked down to um, asylum seekers, people seeking uh, protection, fleeing persecution. Um, if they show up at the border, they're not permitted to uh, apply at ports of entry. And if they cross the border and attempt to apply, they are, um, as designed by this policy, very rapidly expelled with no screening or questions to determine whether or not they fear harm upon their return, either to Northern Mexico, the United States has been pushing people straight back into Northern Mexico for certain nationalities, or by or directly expelling them back to uh, their home countries, including places like Haiti, um, 
where the United States knows the country is in no position to be able to receive uh, migrants back uh, safely. And um, this law has been in effect um, since March of 2020, but last week, the Center for Disease Control finally said that the circumstances of the pandemic and the tools that are available now to help screen people, to socially distance, to vaccinate people and to treat COVID no longer justified application of this law um, under their public health authorities. And they announced that the Title 42 law and the border lockdown would end effective May 23rd in order to provide border authorities some time and cushion to put in place some of the COVID protocols that the CDC recommended. I mean, the first thought I have is, okay, basically in my head, you're base, you're just sending people back out to swim with the sharks. I mean, but you know, you're doing it, yeah. right? How is that allowed? How is this our official policy? I mean, it's shocking. Um, and the stories are going to are horrific right. about exactly that situation of people being sent directly back in a harm's way. In fact, in a court ruling, a unanimous court ruling authored by a Trump appointee um, about a month ago, he described it as forcing people to quote unquote, walk the plank. Yeah, straight that's back. what I'm envisioning. Yeah. My, that's, why I, that's why the sharks was in my mind because I'm like, we're just sending people right back out into the, to be killed in, in many instances. Yeah, yeah it's horrible. Um, and this no, has we been have, We have like 10,000 documentations of exactly that happening. Kidnappings, right, almost torturings, 10, Yeah. Yep, that's right. Um, and to answer your question, like, how is this happening? How is this our law? It's not our law. Um, the DC uh, appeals court in this ruling about a month ago recognized those grave dangers. And they ruled that it is unlawful for the government to expel people without first ensuring that they will not be returned to torture or persecution. Um, and they ordered that the government um, stop doing that um, under you know, an injunction that takes effect towards the end of April, but that still you know, provides some room for the government to adjust its normal processing of asylum seekers. And I think that court decision did create a lot of pressure on the Biden administration and on CDC um, to relook at the situation because had they tried to comply with the, that particular injunction, it would have taken away a lot of their incentive to be able to just quickly turn back people back immediately. And I think that did play into um, the Biden administration rethinking its position on this policy. But we won one stage of the battle and another, and battles loom um, in Congress and in the courts now still. It feels like we shouldn't be able to use a global pandemic in this way. Like it feels like there shouldn't, is there ever a reason to say people can't seek asylum legally in this country? Like, is there, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of the reason when I would want something like Title 42 to be invoked and I am failing. <laughs> I can't help you there. Um, okay. I'm failing. I'm failing also. I think it's notable. So we should look, just not but... have a Title 42 period. It's not, a, it's not about it being applied incorrectly or cruelly. It's like, we, we just don't need this thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not as applied to people seeking asylum. I could imagine, right. one could imagine situations in which the government has some power to order mandatory quarantines of yeah, individuals. Of I can in, see that. Right, and um, and you see, you know, with the early days of Title 42, where there was so much, sorry, excuse me, with the early days of the COVID pandemic, 
when there was so much uncertainty. Uh, mm -hmm. You could see them using that law and mandatory quarantines and other extraordinary measures. But I think it's notable just that, um, that uh, most of our uh, developed countries' uh, counterparts um, expressly made asylum an exception to even their travel restrictions um, right. that they imposed um, when the pandemic. The United States was, was fairly exceptional in that regard. And we had an exceptional president um, who ordered that. And unfortunately we had, um, you know, another president or current president who continued it for some time up until this point. I mean, one of the things I think I've learned um, at least in the last 10 years or so, um, and this is because Jess and I traveled along the border in Arizona, like way back in 2015, is that like immigration, it sucks um, whether the president, <laughs> for the, it, it sucks for the people <laughs> experiencing the system, whether the president is a Democrat or a Republican, um, because the whole thing is broken. Um, you're the very first director of border strategies for the ACLU. Um, why do you feel like this needs a specific, like a, a specific person? I know, I, I think I have some guesses <laughs> as to what some of the answers could be, but like, why now? Um, and, and do you feel like we're in a moment where we can actually make some real substantive changes because the demographics of the country are shifting. And I think once that happens, you're going to have more people who are start with the empathetic position towards, um, we were just talking about refugees or asylum seekers or people who are um, just immigrating here. Imagine that, like that's a right. thing too. We, we used to like that. Um, I feel like the conversation has shifted away from our original um, premise, but why is now the time where, this needs to be a really specific area of focus. And do you think we can actually make some changes? Because I hate when we're citing immigration laws from 1970. I feel like we need some updates. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so for the ACLU, it's not so much about one specific person, but a specific focus. Um, we and many other organizations who have worked um, long-term to defend the and expand the rights of the equal rights of immigrants in the United States have worked on border issues, border immigration issues as part of that work. And for the ACLU certainly um, by necessity, um, you know, developed a lot of focused work under the Trump administration with a family separation case, the Muslim ban that played out at the border um, also. But I think we have observed that we have a long-term problem here, as you mentioned, that has persisted across administrations. And at the ACLU, we also have four Southern border affiliates. And the ACLU is a collection of organizations. We have a national office and we have state um, ACLUs. And our four state ACLUs at the Southern border are all themselves quite committed to trying to shift and, um, and secure like longer term, more humane policies consistent with our values and with civil liberties at the border. And they recognize that um, it's a long term problem that is going to require them to mobilize and connect with border communities who support change um, in this area um, and convince a public that at various points um, has been fairly schizophrenic in its sympathy um, for people seeking protection who show up at the border, 
uh, schizophrenic and also unfortunately discriminatory in terms of where those sympathies um, lies and who is presenting itself. And so we recognize that this is not gonna be a problem we're gonna fix in one year or in one administration. It's gonna require a focused and specific effort. There's a lot of relationship between how people think about immigration and reforming our immigration laws, but there's also some you know, specificity that comes when people think about laws at the border. And unfortunately, often when immigration reform proposals arise, um, there are also attempts to sort of sacrifice the border with increased enforcement in order to advance those laws, um, which we grapple with as right. well. Right. So what's the, what's the experience like for people who might want to seek asylum in the United States today, let's say? Like what happens when they show up at the border? Well, today and with Title 42 still in effect until May 23rd, um, there are two problems. First, our, the way our system's supposed to operate is that people should be able to present to border patrol at our ports of entry, the same large ports where people travel by car and by foot to get from the US into Mexico. And by the way, all that travel has continued. There are millions of people yeah. crossing every day and somehow not COVID threats in the way that asylum seekers um, are under our right. you know, policies. Um, people should be able That's to present- a joke. At the that was a joke, yes. right? <laughs> yes, that was a joke. Sorry, thank you. Thank you. Um, but um, but uh, people should be able to show up in an orderly way and, and present their case for asylum to uh, border patrol officials at ports of entry. In fact, most lawmakers would say that is the quote unquote right way to do it. That's the way our laws designate as preferred for people to do it. And it's certainly a more orderly way. But you know, our asylum laws also place the highest priority on actually protecting people, no matter how they present and where they present at the border. Um, and they provide people the, the ability to also cross in between ports of entry. Many individuals try to flag down border patrol officials after they cross in order to claim asylum and to get their case started. Um, so not only are people not permitted to present at ports of entry today um, in any regularized way, but if they are apprehended or present themselves between ports of entry, they cross the border without inspection, try to flag down a border patrol official, they are summarily um, turned back around and either pushed back into uh, Northern Mexico or for countries where Northern Mexico, uh, we're sorry, where, the, where Mexico hasn't agreed to permit expulsions, um, they are directly expelled uh, back to their home countries in you know, places like Haiti. And in some cases, even to third countries that are not their home countries where they most recently um, resided. Um, that's been happening with Venezuelans being sent back to Colombia. Um, so there is no secure way for a person to be able to exercise their human right to seek protection in the United States today. And and what will happen on May 23rd to the people who try, like, I, I, there are camps that have been set up of people who are just waiting there. Like, will, will those be expedited? Like what happens to the backlog? Right, there is a long-term backlog of people who have been waiting for their chance to seek protection for two years or more. And the government is 
you know, devising plans for how to address that backlog at ports of entry. Um, I think what's clear after May 23rd is that the government will have to actually problem solve this. It won't be able to wipe its hands clean of it. And my guess is that, you know, they can't on day one process all of those people at the ports of entry and they will have to have some short term, you know, system um, for managing the number of people who can apply at the ports. Um, hopefully that straightens it out itself out quickly long term quickly so that in the long term people can present when they need to present. But what's clear is if people you know choose to you know present in between ports of entry um, on the border after May 23rd, they will have to screen people to determine whether or not they have a potential asylum claim. They are you know sending additional resources down to um, the border, including additional, we have asylum officers who are specially trained to be able to interview people and help determine whether they have uh, a credible fear and can proceed with their immigration cases in the United States um, or whether they have to be put into um, removal proceedings and they don't have an asylum claim. So we have systems for this, but the systems have been like dormant and atrophied um, intentionally for the last couple of years. And the government is going to have to surge additional resources to the border to deal with an understandable backlog. And when there is that increase in people seeking asylum and when our government is problem solving it and figuring it out, um, I'm sure under a short-term strain initially, that is a good thing. That means the system is starting to learn how to work again um, the way it was intended. And for the Biden administration to be able to figure that out and struggle through it, is a good thing and a sign of progress. I mean, yeah. struggling through it is a necessity. It's like, it almost reminds, I mean, this is not the same thing and it's, I'm not comparing apples to apples, but it reminds me of, um, you know, when Obama ran for office and said, I, I want to close Guantanamo Bay. Now we all know that nothing that had ever happened and no one's ever successfully done that. But I think even like articulating a vision and then starting a process is, that's required. <laughs> like you actually have to do that right in order to get to the next step even if it's um quite messy um and may not you know may not be the best all the time but at least you're working and progressing in that right in the correct direction uh, are we out of time damn go so fast yeah that went, that <laughs> went by so way too fast i don't know why that happens on the show every day and my segments are i my other show my segments are half as long and I'm the show. I'm like, how did that 20 minutes went by? What happened? Mm. Well, happened? these are enormous topics, and it's why we need it's why we need experts. It's why we need people who it's have been true. struggling with this for a much longer time than you typically get in a headline or even in you know even in a TV hit. It's just there's you know this it, this problem is not intractable. It feels <laughs> like it's intractable because we haven't solved it, but it is actually not intractable to treat people humanely who are seeking asylum in our country. Um, Jonathan Blazer, thank you so much for helping us unpack all of this this morning. This was super helpful. Thank you. Thanks to both of you, appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.